Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One fret, I can't do it. One fret, one step, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> what body rubble? One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. I'm a failure. It, I know. Although I, I will admit my Barney rubble is, uh, it's very close to my snagglepuss. It's, it's a little, it, it, it's got a little effeminate cat in it. Speaking of effeminate cats, so the intro had a little, had a little uh, extra little oomph in it. He's a masculine a extra cat. Cuteness. He's a masculine mm. cat. Thank you very much. Yeah, all cats are effeminate. It's okay. They girls, just are what they are. Cats are not girls and dogs are not boys. It's not how that works. I didn't works. say they were. Smokey's very butch. Oh, please don't misgender my cats. I'm not, uh, it's a meaningless thing, really. I mean... <laughs> it depends there's a lot of context it's important i mean for them right now yeah, yeah it's meaningless because they're all fixed and they all live inside of a house but mm -hmm. in the wild if they weren't it would certainly matter they'd have they'd have babies that they can't because they're all fixed exactly you, you, but i'm, just, I'm sliding, started with that you can't sliding you can't doors work. sliding doors eric another universe another world back in the another a parallel dimension where they never got fixed and they're out in the wild well, I uh, this is a very special episode of Sliders. Gwyneth Paltrow's there. Okay, this is this is I'm uncomfortable. Okay, hey guys, how are you guys doing out there? <laughs> this is episode 174. We are going to be discussing Saga later on. Dragon Dongs, the, the far flung future, and the Stone Age, and Dragon Dongs. Just, be, uh, they're they're going to be involved. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Before that. We have comic books that came out this very week to talk about. Most of them without Dragon Dongs. I, I think one of them actually is from last week, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think maybe Batman. Bat, I forget Batman came out. Batman comes out every two weeks. It's so it comes so fast, and so furious. I can't keep track. Yeah, but the bat comes at you fast. It does. Uh, but we are going. <laughs> we'll jump into our first segment. It is time for weekly floppies. <laughs> Weekly Floppies is the part of the show where Eric and I review a selection of this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy. Sometimes there's a mush meter involved. I got in an argument with uh, a friend who listens. Uh-oh, an argument. Who insists that, yeah, she insisted that uh, the mush meter is wrong, that, that uh, it should be the mushy feelings that we have and not how we are mushy in our confidence. And I told her she needed to start her own podcast because that's what you need. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Don't a, don't tell us a, how to run our business. That's a it's a dictatorship. Yeah, we decide what our mush meter means. Mm -hmm. We invented the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's did a two, you, did, it's a two people, person committee. Did people tell Edison how to steal the light bulb? Um, actually, I just read some information about how that Edison Tesla stuff is actually pretty overblown, but I don't doubt that. I mean, to, 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 to 
even if it isn't, Edison's still pretty damn important. Yeah. Um. Oh, comic books. Oh, yeah. But comic this is books. Tesla cast. Not Tesla. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm. That's if we get to talk about the prestige and David Bowie. Movie. David Bowie, David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. Mustache I'm, man, as I call him. Yeah, might be down for that. Our first comic book of the week is Monsters Unleashed, number two. Written by Colin Bunn, pencils Greg Land, inks Jay Liston, colors David Curiel, letters Travis Lanham. I wonder I wonder if every artist in this is going to be a different, every issue is going to be a different artist. Mm. This first one is McNiven, this one's Greg Land. Curious if they're just going to keep switching it up. It's just a big weird showcase of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of what it is. It could just be this to keep it on a, a release schedule, but it... It still feels like big Marvel eventy, so I think it works. It doesn't feel too out of place. I had completely forgotten uh, when I was reading this; it didn't even occur to me that the last one was McNiven, even though it stands out as very McNiven-y. You know, it has the Dexter Vine lines in it. Uh, I mean, this is a little different than that first issue. I feel like I feel like it's a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes unless hey look there's big monsters even though there are still plenty of hey look there's big mm-hmm. monsters um you're I mean, saying there's plot i mean there's a little there, we elsa bloodstone and the, that kid kind of mm-hmm. we see some of kid kid kaiju as he apparently kid kaiju. As apparently will be called um but i don't know i like big monsters mm-hmm. i like big marvel monsters i think i'm not a huge fan of greg land in general but i think he does a good job with his monsters I I I like Greg Land. It's kind of my secret shame. I like this book. No, I do too. I'm. I mean, I'm... I I think it. I think the Greg Land hate is mostly undeserved. I mean, I, there's. I don't know. People can think what they want, and you can criticize people for photo reference. I don't give a damn. I think I'd rather have a book look like this than a lot of other comic artists. It doesn't. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a hypocrite because it bothers me when Mikel Janine does his uh, poser tracings. But for some reason, I, I'm on board with Greg Land. So am I just crazy? I don't think I'm qualified mm. to uh, make that. Uh, You're not a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Oh, God. So you can really tell he traced these monsters from pornography. <laughs> That big red They're, dude on that splat yeah. on, this, on that two page spread where his you face can tell, you can see that yeah. on his face. Come on, you can really tell he was taking a DP. Oh God, are we really? I guess we are that type of podcast. I don't. I can't I, make you can't you can't rein this in. No, I can't. Uh, I mean, it, this is it's more of the same. It is Marvel heroes fighting big dumb monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Moon Making Girl. Kirby face. Moon Girl is Reed Richards now, which I'm totally mm-hmm. cool with. Uh, and we get Elsa Bloodstone, uh, kind of solving mysteries. It, it, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm a buy. I, this is the event. This is what I want out of the events. Like, hey, like, throw big jump, dumb monsters. Have, let's have some Pacific Rim action in this. That's fine with me. Yeah. I think, uh, having something that's dumb and fun as opposed to just dumb, mm-hmm. it's nice. I will accept that. So yeah, hot damn. What he said. <laughs> That's a double buy for Monsters Unleashed, number two. Next up is Bullseye, number one. Written by Ed Brisson, art Guillermo Sana, colors Miroslav Merva, with letters by Clayton Cowles, with a backup story by Marv Wolfman, Alec Morgan, and Frank Martin. 
I don't. Marv Wolfman. Yeah, still, he's still out there. Still making books. Uh, I what did, is it? I don't. This I was like Bullseye. They're making a comic starring Bullseye. Mm. Like he's a he's a under. I mean, they did it with Carnage. I guess mm-hmm. they can't. Which I they're about in the same morality scale. They just like kill people. I mean, and oh, he yeah. does it throughout this entire comic. He literally just is murdering people all the time. Um, I don't. I, I, I've always had a soft spot for Bullseye. I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. He's always been uh, my favorite of Daredevils. Uh, He's Rob always Scallery. stuck out to me as an in, like a, just an incredibly cool comic character. Yeah, loved his costume, loved the concept. Yeah, abs- yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I in this comic, I think does exactly what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I have no idea what it's like. Is this what this book is? Like, I don't know. It's a weird, like, it's just like, we're following Bullseye around, and he doesn't care who he's killing, but there's also, a, a, you know, a, a rogue FBI agent who's trying mm-hmm. to track him. Like, a, like a, it's a weird book structuring it around a a, a monstrous villain. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like this is a Magneto book where he's hunting down, you know, theoretically it, bad guys. Of course. I mean, it, and I, I think that I agree with you that it is a little hard to read. Uh, you you kind of can't take it seriously. You have to read it more like a comedy. In my mind, it's like this is happening in the Jason Aaron slash Garth Ennis Punisher Max world. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's hard for me to take this seriously, and it's I have to look at it as silly and comical because it's really gross and monstrous. <laughs> yeah. I I still I still enjoy it, even though like I mean, he just literally just kills a ton of people and it's it's gross but it's also like really horrifying i don't know that it it makes him interesting to me as a character because they paint him as someone who no rules apply to that he can just do like literally whatever he wants and he just goes around doing anything it's it's crazy and i find it really interesting i i want to see where this is going i i like it a lot do you think? Um, do you think there's a a grand arc in this? Do you think like that's the thing that I think? Like I am also like curious. Like how is this gonna like turn out? Like is it just gonna? Mm-hmm. But I just don't. You bullseye. If he doesn't just stay an unremitted killer, I don't. Yeah. I, like I wouldn't buy it. Like because that's what he's always been. It feels like he doesn't like that comparison to Punish Ma- Punisher Max. I think is a very apt one because oh yeah, he is Frank Castle. He's just the opposite. Like Frank Castle doesn't change. You know, like mm-hmm. we might get a like insight into why he is the way he is, but he doesn't have arcs right. really. I think that that's really the best that we're gonna get out of this that I think they're going to fight Bullseye and lose, and we're going to get some insight into the character and just kind of go along for the roller coaster ride. Yeah. I think that's what this book is going to be. I think that's probably fair. Uh, I, I I like it. It's just, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing, but I guess weird things are, can be good. Mm-hmm. Weird things can be good. I'm a buy. I am too. Do, does Bullseye's everyone just call him Bull? That's that seems I don't, that seems strange. I don't know. I wouldn't call it Bullseye Bull. You can call him I or I, Bi. I think I would. Bullseye. Uh, I would say, uh, Mister Bullseye, sir. Say, hey, killer. I mean, that is also appropriate. Yeah, I love this cover by uh, Dave Johnson. It's really great. 
I I really like Dave Johnson a lot. He's um really like technically sound and conceptual in ways that a lot of um a lot of comic art illustrators just kind of aren't. But I adore his work. Like I kind of want to read Fool Killer, and I was really turned off by that first episode or a first issue. I've heard it's good from people. I who've... imagine it's I imagine it's not bad. I mean, Dave doesn't really work on things that are garbage, but this. I am I'm I don't know. I like it and I hope they do well. I like this book a lot. So double buy. Bullseye number one. Next up, The Flintstones, number eight. Written by I'm Mark really Wonder. Written by Mark <laughs> Russell, Art Steve Pugh, Colors Chris Chuckey, and Letters Dave Sharp. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stuff about this book, and I was it's about time for us to read an issue. I think that's really I, I wanna know what people have been talking about because obviously Everything about this issue tells me that this is an incredibly anomalous book that you expect like the 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 Flintstones is a property like you expect really crude cartoons and really simple stories that's nothing but lampooning on a real, you know, like a, 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 what were those series of bad movies uh, in the, the 2000s? Scary movie in a scary movie sort of way. Yeah. Parodies. You know, but like the, but. In, like, the eighth sequel sort of way, you know? I mean, um, what I've seen about this is that, I mean, this book, every issue is like this issue. This, mm-hmm. that th- they use the Flintstones. Yeah. As a sort of weird, I don't know, way to, uh, uh like, weird satire about culture and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and like, that, yeah. th- that is kind of what every issue has been from what I've seen online. Yeah, this is, uh, this is like communist uh, economist. I don't know. This is woke as fuck Flintstones. It's weird. That's what. Yeah, that's I. That's pretty much. I think of the 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 shortest description you could get that is pretty accurate. It is. Mm-hmm. It is like pretty good. I would say satire. Like it. I think it's it's pretty. I mean, it's not subtle, but I mean, satire generally isn't super subtle. Um, but do you like it, Eric? Um. I enjoy it. It is very interesting. Um, I enjoy the art tremendously. It's fun, dumb, cartoony, like, like, um, Chris Sprouse, I think it reminds me of. We've definitely read some Steve Pugh comics. We have. What have we read by Steve Pugh? I can't remember, but I know I've said his name before. Yeah, I, I know we have too, but it, it's, I probably compared him to Chris Sprouse then. Um, I really like it. I re- I like the art. Um, I think you know politically it does kind of it hits the right notes with me. I don't know. I I it's just so weird and anomalous. It's super super weird to me. This is this is DC uh, using Hanna Barbera's properties. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a strange a strange thing to do. Uh, do you know what they're doing with Stagopus? My God, what? He Heavens is, to Murgatroyd! He is being reimagined as a gay 1950s playwright who is going to do battle with uh, the House of uh, Un-American Activities Committee. Let's definitely read that. That sounds... Snagglepuss is definitely gay. Let's, Sna- let's not Snagglepuss is basically Snagglepuss yeah. as Tennessee Williams doing battle with McCarthyism. I like it. But, I mean, I I like this Flintstones book. I don't... I might... 
I, it's a it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's super weird, and I don't know. I think we all need more weirdness in our lives. It does have. It still ha- does have some of those dumb, just really stupid pun, like a bag of Cheetos, which have a mm. picture has a picture of a cheetah on the cover, or does. a dude having to ride in the tail section of the plane, which means he has one seat on the tail of a flying dinosaur. Like that, that kind of humor is still there in background jokes and stuff like that. But it's also like, hey, here's uh analysis about gender norms and mm-hmm. <laughs> and like how politics work. And Stony Danza. Stony Danza. I'm a buy. I'm a buy. I'm weirdly uncomfortable with this book, but it is still good. I don't even know that I can say I'm mushy because it's very well done. I'm a better person for having read this weird-ass book. I don't know. Thank you for making this crazy, people. So that's a double buy on the Flintstones number eight with a question mark. I'm weirdly reluctant about it, but yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, Our next book is Batman, number 16, written by Tom King, uh, pencils and inks, David Finch, Jordi Belair on colors, John Workman on letters. Beginning the I Am Bane storyline. Everyone's uh, everyone's just declaring things. <laughs> I'm Gotham. I'm suicide. I'm Bane. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm tired. Uh, I don't know. I certainly enjoyed Bat Burger. Yeah, that that got attention this week. I had not. Io9 did a whole article about how he eats that burger with a knife and fork. <laughs> And I thought from the context of the article, they didn't, I mean, they, he totally calls attention to it in like the next panel. Mm-hmm, he does. Like as it's happening, he's calling attention to it. I don't know. I could definitely see it. You're raised by butlers. What do you, of course you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Eat candy bars with a knife and fork too. Mm-hmm. Candy bars with a knife and fork, huh? I'm not a savage. Come on. That's a Seinfeld, mm-hmm. that's a Seinfeld joke. I, I don't know that one. Um, I like I, I I don't know I I I fully believe that that last page has to be a fake out of some sort. Yeah, I I want it to be a fake out. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> I don't. I have a feeling that those are not actual robins or and or red hoods. Mm-hmm. But it is effective at <laughs> certainly yeah. getting your attention. At uh, a cliffhanger. Yeah, I. I liked all the all the robins together eating a bat burger with Bruce, and and they can't even fit at a four person booth. They had to have Bruce sit on the outside. He, he had to end cap it. <laughs> he didn't cap it. Um, I I think I'm already more comfortable with this that because it's back in Gotham and doing Gotham mm-hmm. stuff. I think I don't know bat, Batman in the in the prison for so long. That kind of arc was. Eh. I, I I I I was I, over I, it. I, I was li- definitely over it. I like <laughs> the idea of Bane coming to Gotham and. Mm. It, it you know the the reckoning of blah blah blah, blah. In, in Gotham Girl and you know it feels it feels better to me to have Batman as like a defensive force versus his like offensive like let's invade a place and just take something let's storm the castle yeah I I always I think I it makes Batman feel more of a hero when he's not just like hey I'm gonna putting together a commando team to infiltrate a foreign land. Even though it is justified, I mean, I don't think anyone's mm. defending Bane. I like Finch's art. 
Um, I don't still don't like it. All the Robins look exactly like each other when they're sitting at a table. Yeah, but they well, one of them looks different. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. It's not his fault. I, you know, we've talked about that multiple times before about how all the Robins look exactly the same. Well, I mean, Superman and Batman mm-hmm. look 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 the same too. Superman has an S in his hair. Mm-hmm. And Batman has a B shaved in the back of his head. <laughs> did they not do that at least one time in the nineties? They did not have like a yeah, they cut a bat into the back of Bruce <laughs> yeah. Wayne's hair, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Azra didn't Azrael do that? Come on. You're telling me that Azrael when oh, yeah. he was Batman? John Paul v- Valley? Was that his name? I don't know. I don't remember. Nightfall. <laughs> I'm a bye. I'm a buy too. Double buy on Batman number 16. Our last book of the week is The Walking Dead number 163. Dude, we could have read Nova. I understand, but I wanted us to talk about The Walking Dead. You can I'm still really curious. You, you can still read why Nova. This is relevant. You can no, still, I can't. You can go read Nova. I bought it. I'm going to read Nova as well, but it's good. I can guarantee you that's a good comic. Hey guys, go buy Nova. It's good. Um this well, one, this comic was priced at 25 cents. Okay. For the 25th anniversary of Image. So I think that's pretty interesting, you know, to have mm-hmm. your most popular comic or one, at least one of the most popular comics in your published line. It probably it. is. I mean, I, I think you it would be competing really with Saga only. Maybe Wicked and Divine? Uh, Yeah, that one is also a contender. I really wonder where the three of those stack up. I mean, Walking Dead certainly has a television show that promotes it, mm-hmm. so that may put it above but it also is an issue 163 um also i you know we read a, a huge amount of walking dead ton of it and i just wanted us 120 to, issues or something probably right I, close to 130 115 it was a, we were near the top of 120s by the time yeah. we were finished um uh, and i this is 30 issues later i was like well what's what's old rick up to like i probably will forget all the characters except for rick uh, and carl uh, hey, uh, and, uh, oh, the worst villain ever is still in this comic, Negan. He's still there. Of course. Of course. Um, but I was like, well, let's see what they're up to. Is the status quo changed at all in 30 issues? Almost three years worth of comics. Has anything changed? No, nothing has changed. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, I was, let me, let me, let me do the due diligence. Written by Robert Kirkman, pencils Charlie Adler, Stefano Gaudiano, inks Cliff Rathburn, gray tones with Russ Wooten on letters. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, let's let's see what's happening. Guess what? Zombies are attacking their settlement mm-hmm. because some unknown force has driven them there. Uh, I, the Whisperers, which I think, like, there's been a Whisperer war going on in this book. I I know that, but I don't know what that means. But does it matter? No, I don't, no, 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 it doesn't. I mean, like, I could literally think of three times in our read-through of this that this exact situation happened. Mm-hmm. Where zombies well, in, in mass attack. Well, that That's literally what the the story is, is that's just going to keep happening. That's literally all that The Walking Dead can be. Yeah, unless they... I think we discussed this when we did... We talked about it in, in Book Club, is like, mm-hmm. well... I, I think I, I was certainly weary of it by the end of it. I was like, what is, I'm tired of this. It's the same. Like you, they meet some sociopaths or they meet some people who also want control or whatever. And then they, they, 
they do some ideological battle with them involving, and half the cast gets killed, and then they, and they, we need a new half cast who comes in. Some people stick around, some people die. Zombies show up, but unless there's some drastic, like, hey, we are rebuilding now. Here is us building a society. The focus is going to completely shift where they do a five-year time jump or something. And they did that right around when we were ending. Negan was in prison. Carl had grown up a bunch. There were the people that were pretending to be zombies out in the field. Mm-hmm. But even that, I don't think, was terribly interesting. No. And, and it, it has obviously led back to this point. Mm-hmm. Negan is now trustworthy enough to be let out of jail. Mm-hmm. Not, not to be given a gun, but to be let out of his prison. But it, it's just this, more of the same. I was, you know, it's a quarter. I was, I was like, well, maybe, maybe it'll surprise me. Maybe things have drastically changed, but nothing has changed. And this is like, this is issue 163. How mm-hmm. long is the, is the Walking Dead going to go to issue 500? I don't know. It's, it's going to go until everyone's sick of it. And maybe it'll have, you know, it, maybe it'll be like the Simpsons and it'll have its ups and downs. Uh, like, man, that run from, like, issue 170 to issue, like, 195 was great. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be in the dumps again for a while yeah. or boring. Yeah. I mean... It's entirely possible. It's hard to say. It's not like... It, I, I mean, it's doing exact. It's it, it's nothing... Like, it's competent. It does... It's mm-hmm. telling the story well. And I don't no, think... It's... We never had any complaints about Kirkman or Adler as storytellers. No. It's just the story they're choosing to tell is the same one they've been telling for five years well honestly if you've built if you built a machine that makes money <laughs> why would you turn that machine off ever i i don't know i i mean that is a fair point maybe you get tired of i don't know boiling the machine i think that for what it's worth kirkman is doing he writes a lot of things he doesn't just write the walking dead it, you, I, I think it's easy to forget um, all the different things that Kirkman does, you know, and he's, I mean, he's done Invincible for nearly as long as this book's gone on. Longer, actually. Oh, really? I was not aware of that. Well, I, I think Invincible has also had fits and starts here and there. It breaks. Right, right. Well, it's, Invincible certainly started before The Walking Dead, very shortly before. Uh, I don't mm. know if their issue numbers match up evenly or not. I don't know. I don't keep up with either of them because they are so long. Yeah, but I I don't know. Kirkman's done a lot of different work, and if he's trying to tell a different story, he's going to tell it in a completely different context. He's, I don't know, at this point, he's got a dedicated and passionate large group of fans. I would probably do the same thing and just keep stringing them along forever because their money is not going to, it's not going to go bad. I would keep taking it. I would keep that money-making machine going. I, I don't know. You can always write other books. But it's it's not worth my money. No. It's a it's an okay it's an okay book, but I am I'm not a mark for this. No, I I don't I don't care. Like I don't care about these characters anymore. Like it's just you I you you get bombarded by the brutality mm-hmm. so long. It's just like well, what why does it matter if any of them die? Who cares? Like they're just going to get replaced by another character. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. No, it's true. Uh, so do not buy. I'm a do not buy. Yeah, please do not buy. 
was very frustrated you included this. <laughs> Sometimes I want that. Thank you. <laughs> there is we have four buys and one do not buy. I think it's fine. So double do not read, go ahead. I was gonna say I want to read this book that's teased at the end. Extremity. Yeah, I've heard it's really Don, good. Don Cates was talking about it. I really want to read it. When it comes around, we'll check it out. Show enough. So double do not buy the Walking Dead number one hundred and sixty three. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to, what we've done, seen, read, played, you know, recommendations or just nerdy stuff. Uh, we skipped the week. So we have, I have a, a surplus of things. Mm. Um, surplus me. Oh, okay. Uh, I played and beat Resident Evil 7. That's a very, very good video game. When, uh, when was, when was 7? Seven? 7 came out last Tuesday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm. I haven't played one since two, so I didn't know if that was an older title or what. No, they they. So you have one and two, which are like they kind of set up what Resident Evil is, right? They're like survival horror. You're low on ammo. It's third person. It's all about jump scares and like weird puzzles and stuff. Low on ammo. You're. It's not like they're not action games. You're dealing with forces yeah. more powerful than you for the most part. Like even a zombie could be a threat in one or two. And, like, as they go on, like, 3 was kind of a weird mixture of stuff. 4 was, like, more core, just straight up an action game. You're, like, mm. just, like, it still has scary stuff in it, but it's mostly, like, hey, you're, like, a military dude in this weird place, and you're just, like, uncovering a mystery, but you're fighting a lot. And you mm. are, you, like, the controls better. Controls are better. You get a lot more ammo, and, like, there's a lot more emphasis on your on your weapons and stuff. Five is more of that. Six is an insane game that is terrible. Um, and they took, and there's a lot of, ins, like, a lot of weird, like, you know, like, we, like, expansions and weird shoot-offs of Resident Evil, like, in that middle period, where they did weird games that aren't really, that are very loosely connected to Resident Evil, that also weren't very good. Uh, mm. This is... A return to what the original game was, and the and two to, to as an extension of more of a straight up horror, you know, game. It's it's you it's first person. That is the the thing that is definitely different than all the others, and that are all other third person games. This is a first person game, which I think they've adopted a lot of things from more modern horror games. Things that have changed in the intervening twenty years about how people, you know, how horror games work. Uh, but other than the first person change. And a little bit of the mechanics about you actually have to run away from people, uh, from enemies instead of act- fighting at all. Running away is actually often much more uh, feasible and often necessary. This game is much closer to those first two games where it is very low amounts of ammo. The enemies are much more powerful than you. You're, you can fight if you're really good at it, but it's probably going to cost you more than you want. Uh, it's a weird, you're like in this weird house in Louisiana. It's scary. It is mm. genuinely like, I literally, there were mo- in that mo, especially the first half of the game. I think it lags a little bit in the second half. It's, I'd be in like eight or nine hours taking my time. Um, you can certainly play through it multiple times because there's stuff to unlock and, uh, I'm, there's things I missed as well. I know that I didn't see everything because a lot of the time you are running from your life and you can't like just take your time to admire the environment. Um, but it ha- it's very effective at making you, I don't know, tense and, unner- and unnerve you. And there are 
multiple moments, especially early on, where you are, it's just like, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck just happened? Why? I, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna spoil any of them, because they're all spectacular, but it's just, it is, it's a really effective game at what it, 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 it means to do. You know, it wants to scare you, uh, it plays really well, it has really, eff- I don't know, I like the acting in it. There are, it has a lot of really fun stuff in it that I wasn't expecting. Like, multiple mo- times you'd be wandering through this old mansion and house, and you find VHS tapes. Mm. And you put these VHS tapes in a, v- in a VCR, and you're theoretically watching this tape with your character. But in the game, you end up playing as the person in the, v- in the VHS tape. Hmm. So you're playing through their experience. And there's a, a moment early on in which you are in the, you're, like, you first get to this house, you don't know what's happening. Every, like, you're wandering through, everything is gross and decrepit, and, like, there's locks, everything, and you're like, and you can't find any keys. And you're like, no, Resident Evil, as much as it, like, hey, I need to get, I want to get to this place, you know there has to be a key. They'll let you in. They're not just going to give you a locked shelf or a locked cabinet, and you can't get into it. But if you go into B- the VHS tape, of course, it's in the past. So if you're, while you're playing through this character in the tape, you can unlock those cabinets. And then when you come back to the present, they mm. will still be unlocked. So that your cur- cur- current character can access them. Which is like lots of little fun things like that. They are constantly giving you like little teasers and little info about areas you're going to encounter later in the game. Uh, it's, it's very tangentially related to the Resident Evil mythos, if anyone actually cares about that. I don't, they, they're, this, that's, the storylines in Resident Evil about Umbrella uh, have gotten increasingly insane and nonsensical, so it, I'm glad they basically stayed away from all that garbage, and this is like, this, it's in the same universe, but mostly, it doesn't matter. Like, you, it, you don't have to play Resident Evil before to play this game. You can jump right in, and it tells you everything you need to know. It might be better, actually, that if you've never played Resident Evil games before. Um, I don't know. If you like horror games, you should play it. It's very good. If you like Resident Evil games, if you like 1 and 2, you should play it. It's very, in feeling and style, it feels very much like those games. Did you enjoy your time with 1 and 2, Eric? Um, yeah, I didn't get very far. I mean, I was pretty young when they came out. It was, uh, the first one was one of my first PlayStation games, and it really confused me. I didn't understand <laughs> why people were talking about it and were so into it. I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I could not get very far. There are a couple spots in it where the difficulty spikes a little bit because it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily tell you a great job of what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very much like, you do this specific thing, you'll be fine. But if you don't figure out, oh, what that specific thing is, then you'll bash your head against a wall a little bit. But eventually, the game is just like, realizes that you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing and just tells you. Like, literally in the load screen. It's just like, hey, try this. It might work. And you're like, oh, okay. I'll try that. Then it works. I'm looking at the collector's edition teaser, and it comes with a USB severed finger. Yeah, it's very gory. It's a very disgusting game. Yeah, I mean, I, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, exactly. It is... It is not shy away from being utterly gross. Um, I don't know. At its core, it still retains a lot of the, the people who are fans of Resident Evil, especially the original couple first games, will appreciate it. Even though it has changed form a little bit, it still retains a mm-hmm. lot of that weird Capcom charm, the weird Japanese stuff that in, that infiltrated that the, those original games. 
Yeah. Um. You have anything, Eric? You want, or you want me to keep going? I have more stuff I could talk about. You can talk about more stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about getting punched in the face. Uh oh, that's not good. That's okay. Okay. Um, I've been playing Total War Warhammer. Ugh, God, you nerd. <laughs> it's it's twelve dollars with the humble bundle monthly. I could have passed it up. I've been looking at it, but it's so expensive, especially in Canada. It's eighty dollars in Canadian. Plus, Jesus. plus all the expansion packs are also very expensive. I've not purchased any of them because they were not on sale. But Total War War I, like Total War games are basically like war simulators. They're like like a little bit of Civ mixed in with like battlefield simulation, where you're like controlling units, and most of them have historical bents where you're like playing as whatever army in whatever time period they're simulating. Either like a Roman army or the Ro- I don't I don't know all the Total War games. There have been many of them, hmm. uh, but this one. I'm, uh, and those don't interest me. I don't really care about, like, old, like, historical war simulation. That does not excite me. Or management. Of course. Like, managing, like, oh, my Roman troops. I don't really care about that. That's not very exciting to me. I, if, like, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna play Civ and, like, have, like, more options than just, like, straight up combat. This game, however, is a Warhammer, uh, license game. So you can play as dwarves or orcs. And that is immediately more interesting to me because then I can like, oh, my dwarven, I can have gyrocopters or I can play as orcs and have like trolls or weird goblin units. Like that's immediately more fun and interesting to me. Uh, mm. Having that fantasy, that fantasy coat on top of it makes it much more fun. Uh, you can also, the undead are in there. I think the, the core game has four, four armies, uh, the empire, which is just like humans, uh, orcs, dwarves, and the undead vampire lords. Uh, I'm playing as dwarves so far. Uh, it is very, it still has that Civ thing where you just want to do one more turn, one more turn. Next turn, I get access to my long range artillery units, so I want to wait until I get those so then I can go fight those orcs over there or whatever. Uh, the battles itself on the battlefield are a lot of fun because you're just, you're like, you see a unit of a hundred dwarves just run full speed at a unit of like 50 goblins and they're just like, you get to li- watch the little guys fight and, you see, like, artillery fly over the... You know, it does that really well. It's a fun mm. game. It's $12 on Humble Bundle Monthly. You subscribe, and then you can immediately unsubscribe, and you get the game for $12. Um, One other thing I want to talk about is comic book related. Crazy. Mm. Talking about Can't comic imagine. books. I know. Um, and I think it's an interesting thing about the future of digital comics. See if it actually... If it plays out, we'll not, we don't know. But DC has uh, recently, I think a week or two ago, raised their, their the prices for their Rebirth books. All the titles that have sprung out of Rebirth, so any title that had a Rebirth book and then became a comic, are their physical copies are now going to be three ninety nine. They were too... Well, I thought they drew the line. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. They they did, and then they raised the price. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how many people took that seriously, because I think everyone was like, you're not going to. Why would you do that? You're not, mm-hmm. you're, that was a, hey, we're in second place right now. We need to make sure, we need to give as much incentive as possible for people to buy our comics. Now they're, you know, they're doing much better in the last few months. We could take advantage of this and re- give ourselves an extra dollar every time someone buys a comic. Yeah. But at the same time, their digital comics have stayed at two ninety nine, which I, th- I think is a big deal. Because mm. that is a... The first time either of Marvel or DC have had physical comics be different, pr- priced differently than their digital comics on release. 
you know, you, you've seen the evolution of digital comics, you know, as you know, they were, they, they were, you know, they were never for a while. They were not day and date. Uh, you know, for a while they were, you know, they've, we've seen them kind of become closer and closer and closer to what you'd get on a physical comic. Cause as Marvel and DC have been like slowly warming up to them as a way to distribute their content. And now I'm curious what that price difference means for price difference means for DC. Because if you're selling, like, obviously they want to sell as many comics as they can, regardless of what formats it is, it is in. But if they, see a response to people buying more of the digital opting to buy digital comics because they're a dollar cheaper mm-hmm. instead of the physical comics even though i know some people are will buy physical comics until the day they die they want to have the book because they want to collect it and they want to see their entire run in a box somewhere but if they see a response to like hey we're getting a lot more people suddenly willing to they opt to instead buy a digital comic instead of a physical comic and would that they could also spurn them to perhaps drop the price further or make the price differences different, like make it comic by comic even. Certain comics, digital comics, will be much cheaper than their physical counterparts because of the way that physical comics have additional costs built it baked in, like those weird lenticular covers that are there they'll be releasing soon. Like those obviously cost more to produce. So it, the digital comic would be stay much cheaper. Like I'm interested to see what they do with that. And I don't, and if it's successful, like, hey, our physical comics are still selling just as well and digital comics have actually gone up. I'm curious if Marvel will do the same. I would, uh, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I've thought all along that they need to be cheaper, but I also don't really like buying physical comics unless it's a trade. Yes. I mean, I want to support my local comic book store, but I, I don't really care about buying those things unless it's something that i think is collectible and even then mostly i don't care about that no i i if it's like in a very rare occasion i will buy a variant cover if it's a really really nice Mm -hmm. variant cover um but i like you i generally just buy trades because i can put trades on a shelf Mm -hmm. i cannot put single issues of comics on a shelf unless i you know you do a lot of work (laughs) but even then it comes back to no yeah but even then it comes back to collectability yeah i mean i it's I don't know. There, there's. I, I've read things about like this is the kind of inedi- inevitable future where the physical media is for the collectors and the digital version yeah. is for people who just want to read the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, the digital version costs them a lot less money to produce. They make one file and distribute it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to actually. And I'm certain that Marvel and DC have no. Have uh, I'm sure they don't mind cutting out Diamond uh, from have like cutting out Diamond from meddling with their business, mm-hmm. which is like if they go digital only, they don't have to worry about communication. They don't have to wor- like you know there's, yeah. there's a lot less infrastructure they have to worry about about getting things on getting things to Diamond and then Diamond shipping them to like. And a lot of comic book store owners, of course, are the same way in that they have they don't like Diamond because Diamond is a monopoly and therefore has no mm. onus to do anything, you know, without you know a lot of uh, it's going to be a, right. It's going to be a tremendously political situation ultimately, anyway. Because I mean, Comicsology and Amazon going to be a I mean is a monopoly, but they're trying to grow their market share, so they're going to probably be 
they're going to engage in nicer business practices. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You never know who's going to do what uh, in this. I mean, Diamond might lean on them for changing the price. They might have been the ones that have been keeping it fixed for so long because, you know, you're going to say you're going to give these people a, a market advantage. Yeah, I think that I DC know. has looked at the numbers and it has shown that really digital and people buy digitally and people buy physically, those sales really don't impact each other very much. Like mm-hmm. people who are going to buy that's digitally. What people say. I, I can't imagine that always being the case. Well, that's I think that is what they're testing with this price difference. Like – well, they'll probably do this for a while and look at the numbers. And if it is starting to impact their sales physically, they might change their minds or do well, who knows? It, I'm it, the sales will govern all of this. I think they have seen the numbers that physical and digital don't cannibalize each other, and they're probably hoping that remains true and that the people who've been buying their comics physically continue to do that and spending an extra dollar per comic. And the people who buy digitally, they have they are unaffected because everything's the same. But we'll see. It's fascinating. It's a, things are changing. Why'd you get punched in the face, Eric? Uh, I am taking a class at, uh, um, Gracie Brazilian Jiu Jitsu here in South Tampa. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, run by uh, basically a direct student of a student of, um, Royce Gracie, who is effectively like the real creator and popularizer for what it's worth of uh, mixed martial arts and and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all that mess. Yeah, they're they're the Gracie family is yeah. They they were vital into the birth and rise of the of MMA and the UFC. Yes, exactly. Um, and the guy who started the Gracie gyms here in Tampa. Oh, I've forgotten his name. I knew it. It's um. I think it's Rob Kuhn or something, and but his his first black belt student was um, uh, Matt Arroyo, who uh, is the the headmaster at the at this gym. Um, so I mean, I'm taking uh, striking and jujitsu courses, and I don't know. We're gonna see how this goes. This is a thing that I've wanted to do for a couple of years. I think you you might even remember me talking about how I wanted to do this, but it's you know, been kind of in the back of my head, kind of afraid of doing this, but I mean, it's intimidating. It is, you know, like, uh, it, it's, it's a hard thing because I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm older, you know, I'm not, I'm not 22 years old. I've never been very coordinated. Um, but I mean, at the same time, like, you know, I've been working with a trainer for almost two years and, he decided that he can't really afford to do one-on-one training anymore, so that had to change up. Uh, and it's just given me, like, I need some avenue for fitness, and it's the thing that I wanted to do, and we're going to see how long I can stick with it. I actually went out with a friend of mine who is uh, in the Marines, and he, uh, I think he was in the Marines. Now he's in the Army. He works in the Army. We uh, We did some training this morning so it's the kind of thing that i i am very bad at it (laughs) and i don't want to be so i'm going to have to make sure i get practice in yeah i think it's i don't think it's it's not a natural 
Like I don't, I don't think most people just go like, yeah, I'm good now. I think it's, it is like most stuff like learned. You have to mm-hmm. just re- repetition. Like I think most yeah. phys- anything physical. Yes. You just do it over and over and over and over again and your body, yes. muscle memory and all that stuff. Yeah. No, exactly. You just have to train your brain and your body and all of that things. It has to, you have to do the weird unnatural things until they feel natural and you're comfortable doing them. Mm-hmm. But it's, I was surprised how much easier it was today than it was the past two classes because just like moving like that is a challenge because I, I'm not really coordinated and it's hard for me to, to move quickly and, you know, uh, that sort of stance and that stepping, it's challenging for me. But I don't know. They're, they are, um, they are good guys. Um, and I think that that is the thing that can't be, uh, overstated is they, uh, they don't like you coming in with big egos and, you know, if someone sucks, you know, you're, you're, you're an asshole if you, you know, if you're like making fun of someone and you're like, well, you suck that they're, I mean, plenty of people have come in and like, yeah, it's humbling and, you know, let's help you. And I, I liked that and it, but it is really hard for me to suck so hard at it. I'm terrible. Well, I think that's the hardest. I think that for me, whenever I try something new, that is, I think, the hardest hurdle because you don't want to do stuff that you're bad at. You want to do stuff that you're good at. Yes. And being bad at something for a long time, knowing that eventually you'll get good or better Mm -hmm. is hard. But yeah, I don't know. That's it's a cool like that's a cool skill to have. Mm hmm. Can't you know, prepares you for the world. Yeah, for the apocalypse, it's the Trump apocalypse that's going to happen. Mm, yeah, I don't know. you can come up to Canada. I'll have to fight my way up there, though. That's true. You have to, you have to uh, cross the wall, the hedge wall. Yeah, the hedge, the privacy hedge. Mm-hmm. Do you know what got me thinking this? You're going to laugh, and you'll, I mean, you'll, you might remember me saying all this crap. What it was after New Orleans when I blacked my eye? Mm-hmm. I realized a couple of things, and one was that I'm I'm less afraid of getting hurt than I thought, um, because it kind of showed me that you know whatever it'll probably just be okay. And the other thing is like I look pretty awesome with a black eye, <laughs> so I look muy guapo with a black eye. Tough. That's an ex- that's an accessory you have to earn. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, there's got to be something, but I don't have anything else in the pocket right there. All right. Well, we can move on. Oh, did I talk about, uh, I I finished my, uh, I didn't talk about my painting. No, you did not. I did talk about that I was doing. The last time you talked to you, you said, I'm doing a Parks and Rec thing. Yeah. It has been sent off. The show had its opening. And yeah, it's, uh, it's sent off. It was a finished thing. You've seen it. It's available for your consumption on my uh, on my Instagram right this second. It's uh, it's a cool thing. I, I'm not a huge Parks and uh, Park and Rec fan, so Park Parks and Rec fan. So it, I mean, I I know who the characters are, and it looks mm. nice. It looks good. Well, thank you. That was the whole point. <laughs> the odd, uh, uh, you were trying to make art that looked nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, amazing mission, how that works. Mission accomplished. I think that's about all that I have. Um, okay. The uh, the the show they always do like internet sales and stuff like that for all their shows. They're they're pretty great that way. But that stuff will be on the internet before too long. 
So, yeah, I'm, I'm super uh, excited about it. You want to talk about some saga, Eric? I feel like it's uh, pretty important at this point. It probably otherwise, is. Otherwise, why do we even talk to each other? Yeah, I know. Why? Mm-hmm. It's like we like each other. Yeah, Jeez. For... With that, we can move <laughs> on to our our final segment. It's time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club. It's part of the show where Eric and I will assign a longer collected work like you would in a book club. Except it's a comic book. This week, we are discussing Saga. Volumes 5 and 6. Um, and, you know, in extension, all of Saga. But, you know, the stuff, the newest stuff is probably what we'll focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, uh, I, they, on the trades, they, uh, put Fiona Staples' name first on this. Mm. I've noticed that in all, in all the, uh, in all the credits, they have Fiona Staples and then Brian K. Vaughn. Which, there's even a joke in these books about writer byline first. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that was Missed a, that one. It was between the, uh, about the uh, the the journalist and the uh, photographer duo. Mm. They they uh, they they there was a couple jokes about them getting their names reversed, and the journalist writer one was like, "No, writer byline first. Uh, so I think they were conscious about that. Um, and it, I, it feels pretty pointed, I think. Yeah. Um, but I don't know where we left off. At the end of four is uh, Marco and Prince Robot the fourth. Mm-hmm. Had joined forces to try and uh, find their family, which they had been separated. Uh, Alana and uh, Marco's mother had gone off in their wooden rocket ship, and uh, we saw Marco and Prince Robot try and were theoretically going to go find them. Mm. And that's what kind of cup happens in 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 these two volumes is like them trying to reunite along with uh, the uh, people trying to save the will from dying. Or from his mm. co- permanent coma, I suppose, is what is actually happening. I, a lot happens in in these two books. It, it feels that like more, a... it feels like there's a it's more frantic and move and there's more movement than than I, I mean I read all of it again, um, but it just it feels like it, it accelerates to a certain point and then is kind of the end of six. Feels like they're in another wall, maybe just another place to catch your breath or something. I'm not sure. Hmm. What are your thoughts? You're making murmurs. I don't know. I felt like the action moved faster in these. If like because we've gotten to the point where there's so many characters and mm-hmm. so much stuff is happening, and they're all split off for the most part, each doing their own thing. It felt like it moved more, even though it. I don't know. I don't think necessarily more things happen it's just that we're jumping between all these characters in different places it feels more frenetic Mm -hmm. it's got a little bit of that um i mean it always has the 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 sort of sense of of time bomb and pressure you know constantly pushing you forward making you go through it very quickly um i'm really curious what's happening to sophie and gwendolyn yeah, I think that is, uh, you know, their absence in that in that sixth mm-hmm. book really do raise a lot of questions. But I think it is purposefully we they purposely left them kind of away because we are we need to make us feel more like the will. You know, he is mm-hmm. isol- isolated and depressed. Apparently, he eats everything. Yeah, I I really like that i i mean that he he got huge and they don't even like literally no one says a word about it i i mean i don't i I don't know about him i i like the fact that he uh, he's he's been 
eating and like yeah. I, you don't see that's how he deals with his he, depression yeah he eats his emotions eats and d- does uh drugs and like i think yeah. that that's it feels accurate like the entire time it was very painful for me mm-hmm. like seeing the will like this who uh, like before was a, a capable guy he like obviously a mercenary but mm-hmm. very compelling and you see him you, you know as much as they call him a monster he doesn't really do anything you know bad as far as we have seen you know he's he's he saves uh young sophie he saves the girl like i it's pretty redeeming like his his partnership with lion cat is charming um but i feel like that is purposely like we don't see gwendolyn we don't see sophie we don't see lion cat because all of those people probably like they talk about you know you know, the, his vision of his sister tells him, yeah, go at, go find Gwendolyn, because they probably were the people calling him on his, you know, bullshit, as they use, they say in the in the book, but mm-hmm. him being, like, not wanting to do anything, him being depressed. I, do you think that these, I don't, this, the, that, I felt like these books were a little less focused as well, just because there's so much stuff, like, all these characters are so disparate from each other. Like, I was having, it felt more... I don't know, like less thematically tight than like it was saying so like it was saying so much. It ended up saying not as much as I felt like hmm. those other books were saying about like, you know, it's it, it, the core of this. You have Marco and Alana, two different races finding love with each other. And, you know, there's shady, shade, shady, shadowy kind of, uh, you know, I, we are led to believe that this war is at continues at this point because those the two races are manufacturing it like it feels like very much like this war is pointless and Mm -hmm. it's it's really just to kind of manipulate the culture as the leaders see fit at this point and how love is the antidote to all this and how the the story of them two getting out would be dangerous to that image uh i don't you know the the bigger story about the journalist trying to cover that and show it. And I, I don't, we, we get, we get shown so many things. We get shown like the prison and we get shown those, re- those quote unquote freedom fighters or revolutionaries, which are, they're kind of awful. Uh, that kind of, I don't know. It felt a little bit more scattered. Mm. Well, I think that at least from my perspective, it is just, it's completely not, uh, it's not plot driven. It's not thesis driven. The way that it was, and it's entirely plot dr- or uh, entirely character driven. Excuse me. So you get these things like they're they're chasing after their own beliefs, and you know the wills here, and he takes these guys prisoner, and it's it's just like a big sandbox world, and everyone's reacting and acting in their own weird interests. Um, and I think that it does at this scale, it does kind of lead to things feeling a little disjointed but i think that it it still revolves pretty neatly um around hazel yeah i mean it is it's 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 her story you know yeah it's the she's the thing that i find myself the most interested in now and i did not think that i would be you know her in school and how she acted I and mean, i did not think brian Kavon would be able to make me enjoy her as much as i do I, he's pretty remarkable that way that you wouldn't think you would enjoy or have empathy for any of these characters but 
he can make you like even the most despicable ones. It's it's kind of uncanny. Like I wouldn't think I'd like Elena, and then Elena has an amazing scene. Or you think that Marco would be really boring, and then Marco's amazing. And it, it's pretty much without fail, he can make you just love any character. It's I I don't know. It's incredible. But I think that's being that kind of writer in that kind of world. I think that's that's ultimately what it's going to end up being is let's just dwell on this world and, and watch what these characters do. I mean, I think that they're, they've kind of, things are reset to a certain point at this, uh, where, the, yeah. where six ends, where uh, you'll see as the story goes on, you're going to see, I think like now that the, you know, that, that cliffhanger that they're pregnant again, mm-hmm. like have another child, like w- what, what is the story shape going to be like? Does that war and stuff ever does that? It feels like that the war has is too important for it to mm. not play a significant part in how the story ends. E- even if it doesn't end the war, like even if the war goes on and ultimately, yeah. you know, it's just backdrop for yeah. everything. I, I feel like it has become such a significant part of about how the story works and how. Like everything this story is saying is really tied into that war and about fighting and about anger and hatred towards the other. And I feel like, I don't know, Brian, I, I trust them to tie it together in some way. Like I feel like, you know, we still don't know when, when is Hazel writing all these things? Is she old? Is she 25 when she's right? We don't know. Like, I think like that there's still so many fundamental mysteries about this that can completely change how we are viewing this story. Mm. Like the, like, I don't know when that revelation is going to come when we finally, when we like, I, are we ever going to catch up? Cause this is her telling the story. Theoretically, is it going to end with us coming to the present day and she's an old lady? Is this like a Titanic situation? Or I mean, I just hope it never. I, I just that can be fun. I just hope it never comes to that because frame stories like that are there's I don't know. There's no value to be like the old lady on the porch and she's like, oh yeah, that sure was tough. <laughs> now I mean, I think I think that's why I expect of like where Hazel is now as she's telling the story of her mm. of her of her of her life. I feel like is going to have significant impact on it. And change how we see everything in this story. It would not surprise me in the least if Brian K. Vaughn did that. Um, he is very much a, uh, a secret-keeping kind of writer. When I think back of his days of uh, being on Lost. you find it hard to talk about this? Um, it, it's hard to... Like, I could talk about everything in it. Like, if you ask me, like, what are my thoughts on how Gwendolyn is or, like, on any character, I could, you know, talk about them. But as a whole, it's it's hard to get my mind around the entirety of it. Like, it, it I, I reread the entire thing, and it it's hard to see the it, – like, it defies – it defies me trying to put a shape on it, mm. which I, I – I, like, it makes me – appreciate it because mm-hmm. it does constantly subvert expectations and constantly surprise me without being like for, it's never surprised for the sake of surprise 
yeah it generally is like okay that makes sense but i didn't under i didn't see it coming but it also makes me hesitant to try and put too much like there are certain things i feel very confident about like the the fact that you know hazel of course is narrating this entire story and i feel like it wouldn't that revel there's some revelation waiting for us about where she is right now but i don't know where they're going i like i can't see i can't see the end of the road even and they've said mm. there's a they say they have a finite end to this they they know where they're going and I don't know where that is. I don't know what kind of shape this story is going to take. And so it's hard for me to like talk about how successful it is without that in mind. Like I can easily talk about how good Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are as storytellers and how creative the world is and how delightful it is to spend time in it mm-hmm. and how great even minor characters end up like how well they, they end up becoming like the little seal guy noose him with his axe gus is it just gus i just i I, in my mind it's gus okay uh i I don't know there was little accents in there i didn't know what that meant little uh oh where's it is it over the u i thought it was i don't know don't quote me i think it would it would be goose either way you would would pronounce the u like a like a its own like goose i thought it was like an amp like a the 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 umlaut that's what that means yeah umlaut yeah, you pronounce it as its own syllable, goose. I, you know, like he seemed like a throwaway character, and then he's like he's challenging Prince Robot, and I mm-hmm. immediately am like, oh man, awesome! And he chops the Will's hand off. Oh fingers, just That's part of your hand. Not you your. Get, he you still get, has. You a, get granular on me, you weirdo. He still has a thumb, I think. Okay, well, that's part. Thumbs of, up. <laughs> that's all. I mean, that's all he can do at that point. Uh, it's. It just is each character is kind of its own theme. Mm-hmm. Like the will is dealing with grief. Uh, you know, Marco's dealing with violence. Uh, I, I think Alana or Elena, however you want to say it, is dealing with like being content. Like it seems like every single one of these characters is de- like dealing with something in their own thematic and it, it it's, I'm curious to see how they all like end up tied tied in and how all that works and it it it's fascinating. It's it's it just perplexes me. In your mind, do you think this will be the thing that Brian K. Vaughn is remembered with? If you can deal with that softball question, <laughs> I think we've actually discussed this before. Uh, no doubt. Uh, I don't know. It's certainly, if it isn't, what is? Like, is, after this is done, I assume he'll do another thing. I mean, he's, he's writing other comics as well, but, you know, this is the, obviously the big thing that's happening right now for him. Paper Girls too, but, like, this is certainly the largest thing he's done, the largest thing in scope and in his own, like, property, his and Staples. They, you know, if, if this isn't the thing he's remembered for, I mean, he, it, if there's another thing that rivals this later on, which there mm. certainly could be, I'm that would I would be excited for it. But this yeah. has taken up a huge chunk of his life so far. Yeah, uh, I think that I don't know it without the benefit of of uh, of uh, future sight. It certainly seems like this would be the career defining thing. It, it 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 seems like it, but you could say that about a lot of uh, writers who have like 
I don't know, def- what is Warren Ellis's legacy? That's a thing that we struggled with, and is it Transmetropolitan? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, because especially it's not his best. It's not the best thing he's ever written. It is the most politically uh, cogent. Yeah, which I think is why most people think of it. Uh, but I mean, he's still working and he's still writing things, and it's hard to like. That's the thing we're seeing. We're in the middle here. You know, Brian K. Vaughn could write comics until he's eighty-five years old, and it, it could. You might get the best thing in thirty years from now. But right now, like Saga has kind of become an established property. It is. It is. It is there with. Any other, like, in, indie comic, it is more relevant than most of them, and I think it is a name. It is something mm-hmm. now, and I think that is, that's a hard thing to do. I don't, you know, not very many comics can get to that point where they're ubiquitous, especially indie comics. There's very few kind of ubiquitous indie comics, and I think Saga is one of them. I know I recommend it to as many people as I can when I can. It's the first thing when people, when people ask me, and I, when I say, oh, yeah, I read a lot of comics, I do a podcast, et cetera, they're like, well, what should I – and they're like, well, I haven't read this. I haven't read since yeah. this or I haven't read – you know, I've read these things. And I go, well, read Saga. It's like, have you read mm-hmm. Saga? That's the first question I almost always ask is like, have you read Saga? You should read Saga. Um, I, I don't know. It's – it is a Saga. I think that's an accurate name. I think that the the title of it has changed has cha- has its meaning has changed like in in context since the beginning mm-hmm. because when you when you are reading the first volume of a comic titled Saga you don't know what that means <laughs> you don't know if that means like is that the goal or is, like is that what we're supposed to be thinking when we read this because so much of it subverts what that word means you know Saga is a a lengthy story, uh, an epic story. An epic is correct. Yeah, and so much of the charm in this story is the fact that all these characters aren't—they aren't thinking of it as a saga. You know, they don't see—they don't see it as like this epic adventure they're on. Like they are—they are short-sighted. They are ordinary in a lot of ways, aside from all the ways they are not. But you know, they don't. They, it's this. The story is couched in so much normalcy and like raising a daughter and mm-hmm. having sex and you know dealing with your your uh, parents or parents in law. Like you know they're like or like the or like dealing with bad fiction that <laughs> that uh, inspires people, regardless. Yeah, I was gonna say just dealing with the sheer trauma of growing up. Yeah, growth war like it's just it's i think i think that is for a story about people with horns and wings and giant praying mantis people and talking seals cyclopses Mm -hmm. television heads i mean i could continue (laughs) mice that get mice people that get blown up oh man you reminded me of him he's so sad it's a sad i was gonna say it is I mean, it's one of the most human stories, and that's an asinine thing to say, maybe. No, I don't. I mean, but I, I think it's certainly true. I think it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Like, despite all the fantastical things about it, like it is still very down to earth and very relatable to most people, because most people are dealing with these things throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And like, despite you know, it it's not crazy because. 
all these things that are they're experiencing are feelings that we have you know it's not that's why the book works so well it's immediately relatable it's immediately you know you immediately feel sympathy for even the most despicable of of, of like prince robot the fourth is not a good guy mm. uh, but i felt some sympathy for him he's, no absolutely he's um he's one of my favorite characters when uh when the will attacked his son I was, I don't know, I was stunned. I was on the edge of my damned seat. Can't even find it. Where was it? Jeez, there he is. That's where he's leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I really felt, as I was reading this, I'm like, it feels like this is escalating. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. this is going somewhere. But then at the end, they are reunited, and a lot of the stakes have been reset. And I'm curious, like, this, this actually, at this point, I feel like the story is more open than it has been in a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like because they've they've basically outrun most of the people who are looking for them or kill or those people are dead or I'm sure mm-hmm. that the governments of these these uh of the two planets and the, the and of the robots want them caught still but we don't have like this that may be introduced in the next I mean the co- comics are coming out right now but mm. um there are many beyond six, uh, trade six that are out there. Next month is apparently the next trade. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know, there's a, a world of possibility there, but it feels like mm-hmm. all that rising action kind of resettled again. And I'm, cu- it, I'm curious well, where, I was, where it, I was going to say that you using rising action six is a, a pretty neat breaking point for a nine trade third act you know true three three and three that would make sense yeah it feels pretty natural that things kind of land in this part to where we can it it gets directed to the next the next thing i mean uh he's he knows how the story ends but he doesn't know when it's gonna end mm-hmm it is. He said it is going to take a long time, but a long time means different things to different people. I, I mean, it's uh, taken years so far, so a year is, is a long time. Yeah, I mean, nine trades is you know four to six years, right? Uh, well, on their schedule, I don't. I four can't, to six hundred. I can't do the math in my head. I don't know how often are they doing it. Well, they it's it's you know they. They have, they generally do a trade, uh, they do a trade's worth of, uh, they do an arc, a trade comes out, they take off like two or three months, I think, mm-hmm. and then they do it again. And then there was a break in there where Fiona Stables was doing, you know, she did some, uh, Archie in there. And... She, she had to do Archie. God damn it. <laughs> but there, you know, there's things like that. It, it's, you know, they're, they, they, uh, two, two arcs a year, I believe is the, so yes, three, three years. For this, plus, I think it's, it probably works out to four, closer to four. I don't know. Stable's art is still spectacular. It's, it's interesting that I think it never was. I don't know. It's it's so weird to come back to Saga because it's such a great example of a comic, and it's so not like any other comic, you know? Mm-hmm. That, like... It's hard for me to, to, to place it because I know it's it's easy for me to just sound ridiculous when I say that. They're like Fiona Staples is a really great illustrator and a very good sequential storyteller, but 
something about it like it doesn't feel like comics. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, that is in no way a, um, that's not a knock against it. That's not like saying it doesn't belong or it's too whatever. It's just that it's shocking to me because it's, it, even after reading it so many times, it still feels so strange and different. And can you pinpoint, can you like give me an example of what you like of the thing that feels alien? I, 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 I don't know. But it feels like no one else is able to do this. And I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of it is Fiona Staples, you know, that she's, she's pretty singular that way. You know, she's a pretty damned fascinating creative force. And that it's, you know, it's very human, but she's not, she's, she doesn't draw like, like crazy, like lots of backgrounds. She's very sparing with it, but she can make a scene feel rich and full when she needs to um i can't think of anyone who does things like this though and does this this well and i don't know what other books i would want to see her do like i think that archie was a neat fit for because she's very into people and costumes and storytelling like this that centers around you know, like drama and, but she's definitely comfortable doing those big action scenes and doing the big war scenes and drawing fucking monsters. And I, I don't know, like I, it to, it's still a very anomalous thing to me. Like it is a huge establishment in almost everyone's mind. And I still, for the life of me, like I look at it and I'm like, this thing is amazing, but it's, it it still stuns me, you know, it's still, I don't know, that's probably the thing that, you're like, oh yeah, Saga, it's gonna be, gr- it's gonna be great, but it's still this thing that, like, I can't figure out why it's as good as it is, you know, d- d- does that make sense? I mean, I think I... make more sense anyway? I think I've, I mean, I've shared similar sentiment in that it perplexes me, like, it, yeah, it's hard to it get, does. it's hard to wrap my mind around the entirety mm-hmm. of it because I feel like once it is over, it will, sir, I think I will have a better grasp on it because I feel like that they are working towards it and know what, you know, Brian has, Brian K. Vaughn has said he knows where it's going and I feel yeah. like they are, they are working towards that thing with a vision and I feel like it does have a certain shape. Like I feel like things are going to make more sense in the end. Like, I really wish I could, I don't, I think there's a, about Stable's art, I feel like she does everything very well. Like, there's no, like, there's not a lot of weaknesses in, 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 in her game, so to speak. And I feel like it, it, it is, the thing, I can tell you what stands out to me, uh, with, when I look at the art of this, but I can't necessarily point to why it, is otherworldly or alien or strange uh, out of comic books. Like I can say like her facial expressions on all these alien weirdo creatures that are like praying mantis people or a tree person or a giant awful troll thing. Like the facial expressions are always really demonstrative and, ev- and evocative and really mm-hmm. tell the, the, the emotion very well, which I think is vital because a lot of, you know, the dialogue is often subtle about how people are 
feeling. You know, like they they talk like real people. They you know it it feels natural and never is wooden or there's no ever blatant just exposition dumps or anything like that. It is. Mm-hmm. It feels always like you have to. You're supposed to draw the conclusions from the combination of the dialogue mm-hmm. and the and staples are. Yeah. It just. I mean, it's all. And I think that that's. I have it never had never really tried to look at this with any sense of you know what the larger narrative or the larger shape was. Mm-hmm. I've never gone into it looking for that. Um. My, I don't know. My philosophy has always just sort of been, you know, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. I just kind of, I, I, I don't know. I like, I just kind of want to be led around by the creators, you know? Um, I think that's, I mean, I think up until maybe the end of four, mm-hmm. I was, I, I was like, I, this is so good. I don't really care what's happening. Yeah. Like, I just like yeah. these characters are so well written. The action is so uh, compelling. I want to keep reading and I'm willing to do, I don't, you know, I'm following along. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's natural in me to always on top of like, Hey, what, what the surface level story and character is in any, any kind of fiction. I always immediately jump to of course, what themes are they delivering? And mm-hmm. if I otherwise might like a story or if any, any fiction, because of like, hey, the characters are neat and it's a fun story. Yeah. But I think it's definitely, it's always been bigger than that. I mean, but the, so much of the joy of it and even thematically, I think so much of the, so much of the meat of it is like, yeah, this is, this is a world that everyone is serving whatever agenda they have and it's chaos and it's, big and it's ugly and it's violent and i mean and it, it i mean and that is what the appeal is it's exactly the way our world is we just don't have uh hot bat women that teach ballet <laughs> try and sell trampolines <laughs> i really liked oh yeah they're, they're here for the trampolines yeah like all those tertiary characters Again, mm-hmm. it it really it fleshes out everything. It makes the it does. It, it makes this place. It doesn't. It's not just like, hey, this is the story of this these three people. It is like, hey, no, this place is real. You 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 maybe don't know where it is. You've never been there, but this place is a real place. Uh, I the te- I love the teacher. That oh God, I love the teacher so much. This teacher is the best. I I mean, you, they introduced her and she looks like that, and it's really weird and unnerving, and she's got a terrible haircut and. You know, and then she just kind of starts saying things and you're like, wow, this is this is like she's like the teacher that like you wish all your teachers were. Yeah, especially like I, uh, I I don't know. I her her critique of of the novel that is, yeah. is, is theoretically has kicked off this whole adventure is she's like, no, this is like Dan Brown. This isn't that yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Finally, someone with a, I don't know, you don't really see a lot of like educated people in this. I think that's why she's kind of refreshing is that she's like a, she's like a, uh, like, like a, a scholar compared to the rest of the, the people. She's like, she's has all the useless knowledge that, uh, going to college provides about goddamn liberal elite. Mm hmm. Uh, I don't know. Also, the character designs from state, like every, like those weird, I think they really, every time the characters are introduced and we see what they look like, they always seem to really color what, 
like that the fact that she is that 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 teacher for example is such a weird looking bug thing with mm-hmm. the and like but obviously definitely cares like it immediately goes uh, like another, it just subverts it immediately like she's not the praying manta she doesn't she's yeah. not she is probably one of the most empathetic people in the story she immediately mm-hmm. is like I'm going to care for these abandoned children, even if God knows what's going to happen to them in the future. Uh, You immediately, it's just so charming. Everything in this thing is charming. Everything in it, even the bad stuff in it is very much like well-constructed, purposeful, and really spectacular. Even dragons performing uh, uh, fellatio on themselves. Auto fellatio. Mm-hmm. You'd do it if you could try. If you could, if you, if you could manage. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Was we're just not talented enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you just get get more flexible with your MMA. Maybe you'll get there. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Even stuff like that, it is immediately like, uh, okay, right. <laughs> it's like that, huh? I don't. Know, that's what I, what I. That's what I felt like when I first saw that page. I was immediately like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's well, if you're the only dragon left and all the women dragon hate you, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that dragon is a moderator on R the Donald. <laughs> It'll be okay. I was that was a, that was a layers that that's like an onion. Yeah, there's, that's me. I'm very oniony. I had to dig down a couple of times before I finally my my brain put it all together. <laughs> I didn't realize I was so complex. Well, that that little joke was. I don't know about you. Fair enough. Squire. Squire. I love his kid. He's a he's a cool little robot kid. He's adorable. Yeah. He says you're not a friend. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, oh, buddy. <laughs> no, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Friendo. Friendo. Friendo the walrus. Is he just a walrus? What else? What's a she? Okay, is she just a walrus? Well, I mean, is anything just a walrus? I mean, walruses are just walrus. Walry. Well, I don't. I think it's walruses. I don't think it matters. I don't. He has Squire has his little bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. It's great. Why would you have a bow and arrow when you can create a Mega Man gun arm out of your your arm? Perhaps. Uh, the former Prince Robot doesn't want him uh, raised with violence. So he gives him a bow and arrow I to kill things? Maybe he's not young enough. Maybe you, until you hit puberty, you can't do the gun arm thing. That's actually you know, just like your X power. Yeah. you it, you it Robots, the androids, when they hit puberty, they get their gun mm-hmm. arms. Yeah. I mean, naturally. Of course. There's so, like that's another thing. Like there's so much inherent mystery about everything that in this story. I'm like, I still want to know what. What do you, everyone calls them and they've used the word android specifically. Mm. And I don't know when I hear the word android, I specifically think about they were made at some point. Think of? Do you think of data? Yeah, I think of data. I mm-hmm. think of per, certainly not now, not anymore. They aren't made by man or made by a or mm-hmm. a, a a biological organism, but. That just makes me think that at some point they were made, and then they just took over, and then yeah. they they figured out a way to make more of themselves. Their death. Yeah, I don't know. 
it's hard to say, but I like I I want to know the backgrounds about all of these these pl- I want to know what these planets are. I want to know how they all work and you never it's it's never really that overt. It's always you have to draw all of these things from small interactions between characters. I think you need to just start writing um saga fan fiction. Uh, I'll pass on the fan fiction. I'll write I'll write Robbie fan fiction. I uh I really liked uh, the way Ivy she did a she did a uh, comic about that about how she looked down her nose at fan fiction for the longest time and you know ultimately how different is it really uh, than fan art and it's it really it's not but it is a thing that is pretty universally uh, you know people stun their nose at it I I'm not saying that people who write fan fiction aren't talented or that the stories can't be entertaining or well written I'm just saying. You know, I think there is a, a a vital difference between fan art and fan fiction, and that fan art mm. can be sold. You can you can make a living selling fan art. Basically, mm-hmm. you can't really sell fan fiction not not unless you are a very an edge case. Like I'm sure, a, a, like the most well known fan fiction art uh, a writer could theoretically break out and and charge, but you're not gonna you know make a living at it. Mm. It is something you do out of, you know, out of love. Out of love, yeah. That is uh, a thing that has to be punished mm-hmm. at every occasion. Well, I think uh, that is a core tenet of Saga, and that this these two loving each other is a abomination. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to mention about Saga? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I can't think of anything specifically. I want more. I'm ready for more. I'll, I'll, I buy every yep. trade as it comes out. It's not like a, you know, that I, I don't really read it serialized anymore because i know i'm gonna buy the trade i don't need to i don't i i I like these nuggets we get once once and once or twice a year where we get the trade and it's you get that nice chunk of everything and i get to reread all of it again yeah i think saga is probably the comic book i've read most since we started this podcast the most of yeah since i've reread it oh yeah it's an entirety like six times now i i would say it's um it's southern bastards for me but this is this is right there neck and neck with it for sure. So folks, that was Saga Volumes Five and Six. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous comic. Everyone knows that, but it's still tremendous. Uh we are be dis we we I will uh, we will be discussing for next week Shudder Volumes One through Four by Joe Keating and Layla Del Duca. We uh read it I don't know, an issue or two very early on and time has passed us by. Mm. It kept going. Like comics often do, and I'm excited to see what happens with it. Read along with us. Uh, that'll do. That'll do us for this week. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Uh, find everything there. Links to our Facebook, facebook.com/slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at HBC Hour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. You can like and follow us, and you know do social media things. Also, give us a five-star review on iTunes, subscribe, tell your friends, all those cool things that really help us out, really help the show out, help new people find it, and we definitely like that. You can find me on Twitter at MixMasterSerial. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you online? What a super awesome question. Well, you can go to freewillunlimited.com to see my portfolio, and you can go to ericzgoodnight.com to see many of the other things I'm up to online, including my Instagram, uh, where I'm known as Easy Goodnight, and my Twitter, 
where I am at Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R, Bad Example. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Thank <laughs> you.